0: You wanna know why you're all fucked up? What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. bro. I am your host Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode of That's Deep, bro. I'm so excited for today. I've got some killer emails to go through for you guys and uh, you know, a lot a lot going on. It's a lot. It's always it's always exciting. It's the beginning of fall officially in in Los Angeles. It's it stopped being 100 degrees and now it's officially a normal weather and Man, am I frisky! I'm feeling it, feeling my fall oats. i I mean, I I dress the same in all seasons. I think I I took pictures recently, and the the uh, the makeup lady was like, it, it was like August when I did this, and she goes, oh, you're you're wearing uh, fall clothes. Yeah, I'm wearing chunky buckle boots, jeans, and a black sweater. That's the that's the the. Um, uniform. I don't, I don't do seasons, you know, who cares? Okay. First of all, let's do some dates. 2017. I have one date on the road in Houston at the come and take it comedy festival, November 18th. Now that one, I think you just get tickets through the festival and you can see me perform for one night there. I'm really just kind of starting to edge into this new hour of material that I'm, I'm writing now. So, uh, you know, I'm trying new stuff. I am I'm, I'm getting experimental. So if you'd like to see that process and you're in Houston, go to the Come and Take It Comedy Festival and you can watch me, you know, kinda kinda loosely getting back into stuff. And then January twelfth, uh, the Ice House Comedy Club here in Pasadena, California. I love the Ice House. And then February second and third, Salt Lake City, Shark Lake Titties at you in Utah at Wise Guys Comedy Club. And then March 30th through 31st, Portland. I'm coming back to Portland, Oregon at the Helium Comedy Club. It's so it's so silly because I have never done Salt Lake City. And of course, I was like, well, it's all Mormons. I can't do comedy in a Mormon place. And then my husband, of course, was like, well, they don't come to the club, dummy. And I was like, oh, yeah. They're <laughs> a uh, duh. Okay. So that's some business. Uh, oh, I have a store now. I have a store. It's on ChristinaPOnline.com. That's also where you can get your tickets to these shows. Um, I've got a few shirts to sell. Of course, one for this podcast. That's Deep Bro. And then um, fully vaccinated t-shirt. I do uh, Mama Wolf for the mommies out there. The mo- the real mommies. Not just the denim moms, but the biological <laughs> are not. Or maybe adopted. And then um, Blessing in the Skies. A little grammar joke uh, for those of you who are grammar sticklers, which hello I am. Okay. All right. Let's get into it, bros. Got a lot to do. We got a lot to do. I got a lot to share with you. got a lot of emails to go through. It's going to be amazing and exciting. <laughs> All programs. This is radio cash on pirate satellite. Orbiting your living, life, cashing in the Bill of Rights. human army surplus or refusing of the lives. This is radio cash on pirate satellite. To the international plan In the shadow Of the white right hand The Nazi ghetto G Is an urban Vietnam Giving daily exhibitions Of murder by Nepal Radio Clash tearing up the seven bells. This is Radio Clash, please save us from the whale. This is Radio Clash underneath the mushroom cloud. This is Radio Clash, no need that emotion. All right, man, let's get fucking weird. Ugh, oh, I love the Clash. These guys make me want to put a brick in it, bitch. That's what's up. It's finally fall. Yes, Jesus Christ! Enough sunshine, enough barbecues and and, and 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 sunlight, and the oppressiveness of feeling like you have to get out and do something every day because the weather dictates it. Right? I love this week. It's finally cloudy and shitty in L.A. and it's like. A perfect mirror for my insides when I want to just lay in bed and just watch some fucking television like a person and not feel guilty about it. Because <sighs> the last six months in LA, there's guilt. You know, the sun is out. You should be doing something. You should be happy about uh, participating in life. But I gotta tell you, I like this time of year just because it's. It gives me a moment to. Step back, assess. I watch the Great British Baking Show. However, I don't have the skill set to do it yet. I try doing muffins with my kid a lot uh, from scratch, and they are fucking dog shit. I can't. I cannot make a muffin from scratch to save my life. And I just keep trying. And they, you know, that's. I teach my kid like, hey, dude, I suck at this, but we're gonna keep trying. You know, you don't have to be perfect at stuff to enjoy doing it, but. Um, uh, so I'm stoked man Halloween happened and I love Halloween if I just feel like this is my witchy the witchy time for me this is my season this is where I this is when I really spread my wings and fly my bat wings are open and I'm flying over I love it it's creepy oh I'm so creepy I love it uh so there you go I'm in full bloom um I had a great moment last night, you know, uh, I, am sure you've heard me talk before. I, I don't always, um, I, I'm those, I'm like a cockroach human being where I adapt to my surroundings. Like I'm the kind of person where, you know, uh, Tom and I <laughs> would like share one phone charger for years, like one fucking phone charger for the whole house. Cause we were like, I don't know, there's only one we got to adapt, um, Oh my God, the clash just popped up on my, what is happening here? Uh, And so I have those moments, these epiphanies of like, oh, you can do things to actively make your life more comfortable because um, me, my predisposition is just like to tolerate the suffering, the misery. Like for instance, I won't look for remote controls forever. I'll just be like, meh, I guess we're not watching TV right now. Guess not. Like I just don't fucking care enough sometimes. So I've been doing this pillow combination for a long time where I got, I like soft pillows. I don't like hard pillows. I like softies is what we call them around this house. And I've been doing this thing where unconsciously, unconsciously, I've been kind of not punishing myself, but not feeling like I deserve to sleep on two softy pillows. Let me get, let me back up. What I like to do is, I like to have a two pillow situation. I got my backup pillow, and then I got the pillow that I actually sleep on. And the backup pillow, I've been using like a harder pillow. And then I put the softie on top of that as like a reward for tolerating the hard pillow I don't like. And last night I had this epiphany as I was like sleeping on the softy, but then the, my head would kind of like, go into the harder pillow. And I was like, fuck, I don't like this harder pillow. And I'm, can't, I can't even tell you, it it has been, you know, I don't know, 40 years of me doing this to myself where my head hits the hard one. And I'm like, nope, guess it's just gonna have to be that way. <laughs> That's just how it is. <laughs> and then I had this epiphany for the first time in my whole life. What if... You put two softies on your head. What if, Christina, you gave yourself the joy, the joy of of things you like? Two two soft pillows? Who are you? Oh, you fancy now. You think you're the queen of England. Okay, alright. She she wants spicy hot Cheetos. Yes. And I gotta tell you that it was like it was a a revelation that I could. Just make myself more comfortable and not uh not have to go through the requisite suffering, right? Like I'm I've always gotta have my hair shirt on about stuff. I can't I can't just enjoy things. So that was a huge whew. I gotta tell my therapist about that one for sure. Um, Also very interesting in the time, the time magazine, October 30th issue uh, came out, the cover of it talked about the, the myth of the goddess mommy, goddess mother, and really interesting um, about how motherhood has been uh, really really force fed to us in terms of what is natural and that we should want to return to what is quote natural, you know, natural childbirth, natural breastfeeding, you should be breastfeeding the minute that baby comes out, you must be doing it right, you do it you do it often, you do it for a year, and if you do it for more than that, you then you're even better mommy you shouldn't want drugs at birth. You should be doing, you know, your endorphins will take care of that pain. Um, And you know, this whole horseshit of, of doing everything the way it was done in in nature in the olden days. Well, it's interesting in this article, it points out that, well, back in the olden days, back in the early 1900s, women died a lot in childbirth and women, women uh, didn't have a lot of choices. And so, You know, women also died at 48. That was your average life expectancy. So there's a lot, you know, a very fascinating article for anybody who is in the throes of new mommyhood and feels the pressure to uh, breastfeed and to be perfect at everything from, you know, pregnancy to birthing very interesting article that just came out and it will alleviate a lot of your uh, guilt and frustration because boy oh boy the way it's portrayed and the especially when you're pregnant man look out if someone sees you at starbucks buying a coffee it's like eyeballs for days um i think i've I've done that to somebody actually I, i was at a hotel recently at a hotel pool and i saw a woman who was like very pregnant like eight months like that pregnant and i saw her go into the hot tub and i was like um um, are you foreign? Like, do you not know in America? We don't, that's totally not permissible. You're just, you're cooking the baby. Yeah. So I think I eyeballed her. I definitely eyeballed her. And then I, um, yeah, yeah. I've eyeballed, i, eyeballed, I told, I've told the story before, but I do this ridiculous mommy and me class, which now I send my nanny to do. I'm sure they're going to gossip about that one. But, uh, I watched a woman in a mommy and me class breastfeed her two year old, like yes, I did talk about this on the show. That was fucking mind blowing. <gasps> so I'm sorry. Did I say that? I meant I meant 306 weeks or whatever the equivalent is. Uh, unbelievable. So there's that. Um, I need new British shows. If anybody out there uh, has any great British television shows besides Call the Midwife, Downton Abbey, the Great British Baking Show, um. I need some new British stuff to get into. You know what I mean? I need that low grade misery. The crown I tried getting into it. It's super slow. you know it's the, it just it's does it pick up? If so, let me know. that's deepcast at gmail because I don't fucking i I need to find a nice British show to get into when it's dreary out like this, it makes me miss England for sure okay um so I want to talk this week. Um, of course, all of you, I'm sure have been getting back into the fucking miracle of a television show that is stranger things and if you haven't become obsessed with this show, what are you waiting for? It is um amaze excite it is i think it's it's wonderfully simultaneously a tad derivative if you grew up in the eighties watching shows like v or you know like um, amazing, amazing things, amazing stories, you know, like those kind of cool 80 shows. It's, it's that that's the best part about it is that it's it's like the opening is slightly derivative, but not at the same time, very original, um, and very entertaining. And of course, Queen Winona Ryder is in it. Hello. She's the fucking best. Uh, The kids who are in it are amazing. Everybody's amazing. And, um, interestingly enough, I was watching, Uh, the second season I won't I won't spoil anything for anybody who hasn't I haven't gotten through it all yet but uh for those of you who do not know anything about the show I'm going to try to do this without destroying the show for you so um yeah so let's put it this way in the show Stranger Things there is it's a show about and if you haven't guessed by now I'm sure you fucking know at least this part it's um it's about a parallel universe. Okay. And they call it the upside down. And did I just, spoil well, anything? I, I just ruined all of straight. No, I didn't. Uh, I did just a little, a little, but you, you would have fucking known that yeah, by the time, whatever. Okay. So there's the upside down and it's a parallel universe and it's totally different than the world we inhabit, right? Let's say this parallel universe, but not. There are things that look familiar, there are things that seem familiar, but it's the upside down, and it's scary, and it's dark, and it makes sense, and it doesn't make sense, right? And um, it got me to thinking a lot about uh, growing up in an environment where it is the upside down. And for those of you who listening and a lot of you are, because you write to me, who had parents that were um, addicts, were mentally ill, abusive, whatever the story is, you grew up in the upside down, meaning you maybe looked normal to other people when you went to school. Maybe you learned how to not let people know what was happening at home. Maybe you learned how to lie about stuff, um, or maybe you didn't know that shit was upside down until a lot later, until you got your shit into therapy and you got your entire life, you got your life together and you realized that, oh, wow, wow, I came from the upside down. And uh, so the thing with the upside down, and I feel like people that are from the upside down world, <laughs> is that we all... We all have a. We're all part of this society, right? Like, I feel like it's a not not so much a secret because when you look at the statistics, um, most people have mental illness or addiction in their family. It's like super super common. So a lot of, the, I mean, the great thing now is that it's being identified and dealt with, and and a lot of people have are um, getting their lives into therapy and recovering from it. But the insipid part um, about it is like is getting out and getting into the real world and the healthy world is what i mean and uh there's a character in it who is uh an orphan essentially right she's parentless and she's desperately desperately searching for mommy and daddy that's that's really the underlying story to this character right uh this little girl who is uh is lost in between these worlds and I was thinking, what a wonderful metaphor that is for anybody who is coming out of of the the haze of the up, of an upside down world, the haze of trauma, or the haze of maybe you just got out of a relationship with a narcissist. Maybe you're getting your shit together and getting into recovery right now from addiction, or whatever that world is. Um, but what happens is when we get ourselves out of the upside down. It's never, it's not linear and it's circular and we backslide and we can't always identify what's good and what's bad and what's, you know, this and that and the other. But um, what was I going to say about this? Oh, right. So the the orphan character in this show, um, right, her name is Eleven. We know Eleven. And Eleven is looking for mommy and daddy, desperately, desperately looking. Because even though daddy was abusive, neglectful, uh, used her as a science experiment, right? She desperately wants parents. And I think that that is a metaphor for all of us, excuse me, who are codependent, trying to get out of that, trying to find mommy and daddy. And that is actually what happens to people when they start, uh, when you're still sick, when you're still looking to that well of dysfunction, because the upside down, like I said, it's familiar it doesn't feel good, but it's familiar and you know the territory and you know the language and um, and it feels weirder to be in the real world than the upside down, right? Um, but the problem is when we don't get into recovery, we don't help ourselves, you end up looking for mommy and daddy out in the world and you pick the wrong ones over and over and over and over again. And that's why you end up dating narcissists or getting a boss who resembles mommy or daddy who maybe uh, has a similar traits of people who who may have done damage somewhere along the line and that and that you've never recovered from so it keeps showing up until you face it until you turn around and say I'm not afraid right that's the point is that uh it's a wonderful metaphor I think for um for recovery and like saying no and fuck you i'm not going to be afraid i'm not going to um i'm not going to i'm not going to chince myself out of the chance of having a great adulthood right cuz that that is the fear that is the that's the great suffering of of every of a lot of people is that you grow up one way and then you get stuck in that mindset and you act out you're trying to find mommy and daddy you're trying to you know you're reenacting the same shit over and over, hoping to get different results. So until you heal those wounds, it just keeps coming around. And also there's guilt. There's a lot of guilt when you get out of the upside down, right? Um, because how how can I, how what do you mean I I, I can't, I have to get away from uh, my family? What do you mean I, I, it's it's laden with guilt and frustration and, and a lot of times the, you know you'll, you'll get roped back into bullshit. Um, so yeah, on that note, I wanted to get into this email I got this morning. Cause I kind of, kind of, uh, relating a bit to this whole idea of, uh, the upside down. Okay. So this girl writes in, um, I grew up I don't know if she wants me to... It's a, it's a woman. I'll just say that. She's 42. I grew up with a mentally ill, narcissistic father. Before I got my life, which didn't fully happen until, until about five or six years ago, I felt obligated to maintain a relationship with him, which I fucking hated. <laughs> During that time, of course I fell into all the typical traps adult children of dysfunctional parents do. I'd go grocery shopping for him. I would go over to his depressing, smoke-filled apartment and listen to his conspiracy theories and latest medical woes. I would listen to my sisters, I have two older, tell me over and over how I needed to, quote, get over all the fucked up, selfish, ridiculous shit my dad did when we were kids and continues to do. Then I decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get my life. I started that process by checking myself into uh, this facility and going through some intensive covert trauma and codependency therapy. I continue to go to therapy now and can easily say that I no longer maintain a relationship with my dad. I haven't communicated with him in over three years and honestly, I hope I won't ever again, but I'm struggling with something right now. Even though my dad drives them bonkers and treats them like shit, my sisters interact with him. This means my niece and nephew do too. My son is close to his cousins and every now and then the topic of my dad comes up when we're together, when they are together, sorry. Apparently my dad recently told my nephew, who was 10, to tell my son to give back a gift my dad gave him when he was like four years old. Yes, I'm serious. My dad gave... (laughs) my son, some antique model airplanes, which apparently are worth some money. My son likes the planes and has always had them displayed in his room. Three times now, my nephew has mentioned it to Julian, my son, who I think is starting to feel guilty for not giving them back. So much about this situation bothers me, starting with the fact my dad put this on my nephew. Who tells a 10-year-old to tell his cousin to return a gift? And why hasn't my... My sister told my dad to leave her son out of his petty resentful request. And I'm pissed at myself because I don't want to give my dad the satisfaction of having conned me into communicating with him. So I've yet to address the situation with him, which makes me feel like a bad mom. I'm almost to the point of returning the planes because trust me, my dad will not let this go. But on the other hand, I don't want my son to get involved in the cycle of catering to a crazy person's requests. And I don't want my dad to win. I feel really childish and immature feeling this way. What would you do? Do I contact my dad, return the planes, or keep them? Then how do I explain this to my son if we do end up returning them? I don't want to set an example of being manipulated emotionally, if that makes sense. Thanks in advance. Okay. Okay. So much say, so much here from Stephanie. Okay. First of all, um, congratulations for getting your life and getting out of the upside down and doing the extremely hard work of A, waking up to the fact that um, maybe your childhood wasn't as ideal as your family will say, because that's another thing too, is sometimes um, those those other people in our family, they're not always healthy, right? Your your sisters or, or whoever may not agree with your assessment of reality. Prepare for that. Anybody listening who wants to extract themselves from the upside down, from the parallel universe that is your family existence, um, know that you might have some detractors, some haters, some people that will be so mad at you for putting down boundaries and not taking abuse. So I just know that that is um, commendable, Stephanie, that you've done that. That's fucking awesome. So your sisters, unfortunately, are still in the upside down and are still thinking that, you know, hey, uh, dads, it's cool enough for them. They can, you know, with narcissism, I think personally, it's, it's, it's too difficult for me to, to handle. Um, I don't deal with narcissists. I don't, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on no contact as far as that goes, because I know adults, uh, I mean, you can, I guess you can have some sort of a relationship if you can tolerate the poison of the narcissist and know that it's not about you. Um, for those of you who don't know, narcissists don't, they don't see you as a person, especially parents you're not, A human of your own right. You're an extension of them. And narcissists always need a constant supply. What does that mean? They're vampires, they suck. They just want the supply, the attention, and then they suck you and then discard you. So if you've ever dated a narcissist or you've had a friend that's a narcissist, that's what's going on. It's not about you. It's nothing you've done. It's not about who you are. They don't even care who you are. That's the saddest part about it. So it's like, you know, and then the the person who's trying to extract themselves from this horrible situation, the Stephanies of the world, go on to feel guilty and bad about about getting out of the relationship with this shitty person who doesn't fucking care. That's the craziest part is the good people who are like, you know, human. Um, the narcissists don't care that you are guilty or feeling this and that. They don't even, they're not even in that world. So, you know, you're feeling, you're hemming and hawing and what should I do? And da, da, da. he doesn't care. <laughs> Just know that <laughs> you're, you're the one suffering. He ain't suffering. None, none of them are suffering. So, Okay. So you've, you've gotten yourself out, but have you really, Stephanie, have you really? Because in all of our work to get into reality and to step into a healthier thing, it's not a linear process. As I said earlier, it is circular. It is backsliding. It is, you're still, you know what I mean? You still get roped in. And unfortunately my boo-boo, my boo-boo, my sweet love, I think you may have gotten roped back in already, because the drama continues. What do I do with my dad? Do I give back the planes? How do I tell my sons to give back the plane? Like, I, and I'm not judging. This is not to judge. This is because um, I've been there, <laughs> and I and we all do this. Who's ever been, uh, uh, you know, who's ever had parents that are difficult or whatever. We all go through that. Like, huh? what do I do? It, it sends you into a tailspin, right? The the thing happens. The incident. And then now you're the one that's fucking freaked out and full of anxiety and, and we have to we have to go to act, right? Quick, quick to action. Let's go. We gotta solve this fucking problem, man. We can't let the poison in. <laughs> right? The what's the, the fucking creature in the upside down? The gargonaut, the gorgoyans, whatever. You gotta keep them out. So number one, and this is a wonderful lesson. Uh that I well no, number one is um Now, here's a wonderful lesson I've learned uh, from men. Let me just write this down before I forget. Um, Okay. Here's what I've learned from working with men for many, many years now. What I love about men is that they know when to step up and fight. They know when to defend their loved ones, their territory, et cetera, et cetera. But they also know when to not give a fuck. And I mean this in a very respectful, um, almost, I'm like awestruck when I, I, I'll come to my husband with something like, oh my God, I have to, this happened and I have to react and we have to do something. And he's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Don't, don't do anything. Just don't. Don't worry about it. They'll figure it out. And here's the thing. now I'm not saying to do that for every problem. But in some cases, the brilliance of do nothing is the right answer. Is the way of asserting your boundaries. Is the way of maintaining the integrity of your house and your home and your sanity and the walls that you've built to protect you and your children from the narcissistic uh, granddaddy. Okay. Now here's the here's the here's the the, the before part that I wanted to mention is. No contact with a a narc, as they call them on YouTube videos, the narcissistic parent, no contact, I believe, I mean, in this scenario for you may have to extend to your children because, you know, if you don't want to hang out with your dad, why on earth would you want your kids to hang around him or to be privy to, no, this is not, you're not letting him hang out with them, right? From what I'm understanding, he's not actually near them. Okay, so that's good. My bad. It sounds like you have separate. For those of you listening, um, don't assume that the shitty parent is going to be an awesome grandparent because if you don't want to be around them, why the fuck are you letting them around your kids? So don't don't think they're going to be awesome. They might be. Now, I've heard stories of horrible parents being awesome grandparents. That does happen. But in the case of a narcissist, a true narcissist, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I still think it's about them. I don't think a grandchild magically transform them, transforms them into decent humans. Um, so good. If you are protecting your kid, great. Um, here's what you do. Here's what I would do. I mean, shit, I, you are protecting your son. I'm assuming you're not allowing him going over to your dad's house. Great. Uh, who gives a shit if he wants his stupid airplanes back? Who fucking cares? That's the thing you have to understand with these people, with these fucking psychos that you're dealing with. He wants something? So what? My toddler wants stuff all the time, and I say no every day. My toddler wants to play with a stick of butter. No. The answer is no. So what? It's a gift. And you're worried about how your son feels about this, right? Because it's trickling back to him, and now he's got the cousin saying shit to him. So now that's a problem with, I, I mean, look, if you're not talking to your dad, but your sisters are, I would say, go to your sister and go, Hey man, I don't deal with him, but you need to get your life with your kiddo because he's fucking with your kid. Cause the truth is he's actually screwing with uh, the nephew who is now put to task to bully your kid into giving the plane back. So I think that kid is really in the middle of it. Right. Cause who the fuck are you serious? It's the, it's the 10 year old. (laughs) Um, I would tell your sister that if she's even open to that. And if you could be like, Hey dude, tell dad the answer is no, he's not getting it. And stop asking, you know, the nephew to tell my son. Um, I, because otherwise you are getting roped into this fucking horseshit. Do not contact your dad. Uh, and explain to your son, maybe, that your granddad's not with it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm going to have to explain some stuff to my kid eventually. Um, and I think it's reasonable to start explaining stuff that not everybody is awesome in the world. Sorry. Wish they were. But they're not. But look who you do have. You've got these awesome... Maybe your other set of grandparents are awesome. I don't know. Should you give back the planes? Fuck No. However, you should tell the sisters that do communicate with your dad to tell him to knock it the fuck off. Knock it off and don't ask for it anymore. Eventually, these narcissists just glom onto some other thing. Believe me, crazies will always find something else to get crazy about. I know you're saying he's going to be relentless about it, Mm. Mm-hmm. Give him a minute and just keep saying no and keep your boundaries firm because he is trying to get in. That's exactly what's happening. Yes, because the narcissist also has the amazing ability um, to pinpoint your weaknesses. That's what they do. They they manipulate. They find little cracks, chinks in your armor, and they know how to get in there. So he knows that by fucking with your son, he's going to get to you. So don't get into the game. Do not play the game. Um, don't give him money in exchange for it. It's so it's so insane that somebody would ask for a gift back that they gave to a child. It's preposterous. It's a preposterous thing. And again, I hope you're not letting him see your grand the, your father. I, I I hope to God there's no you know a lot of people write in saying you know I hate my mom or I hate my dad, but do I deprive my kid of a grandparent? Yeah. Of course you do. What good is it to have that person in their life? No, no good. If you don't even want to sit down with them, why the hell would you let them around your kid? Because you better believe they're going to treat your kid similarly. Uh, You know, especially with narcissists, if they're not, if they're not the center of the universe, boy, oh boy, look out. Uh, Because that's what happens is kids become the center of the universe and they don't really take well to that. So Stephanie, and I I don't know, you don't, I don't know if you have a husband or whatever, but believe me, it's making everybody miserable. Do nothing. Explain to your kid that your granddad is a lunatic and tell him to ignore what the nephew is saying. Ignore it and enjoy those goddamn planes. And don't you dare give them back because yes, you will be teaching your son that you are a spineless weenie. And that anybody can just take what they want and walk all over you. It's a, don't even do it. And I know, see you're, but I get it, man. Look, this is not, I'm not, I hope you don't feel that I'm criticizing you. I'm not. It's because I've fucking been there before you know it. You're wrapped up in the, and narcissism, especially the narcs are fucking good. They're good. They get into your head and they make it think it's about you. It's not about you. You're not a bad girl. You're not a bad person. Your kids, not, no one's bad. Um, but my God, don't, don't you dare. Just ignore. And that's, I'm telling you, man, men are so fucking good at ignoring shit. They're so good at it. And I, and I don't mean that again. And, and I, actually, if you ever look at dogs, dog behavior, uh, if you look at a, a mother dog with puppies, the mother f- dog never corrects a puppy. What they do is they ignore the bad behavior, right? It's in fucking dog nature. Like the, the puppy does something and the mother just kind of gently, no, uh, corrects it and, and does, here's the right way to do this. Like, but there's no, there's no drama. They're just ignoring what's not working. And they're moving on to the positive thing is what I'm saying. You never see a mother dog, you know, bite the puppy or, um, punish the puppy. They don't react. And that's the glory of being a dude is that I've, fuck, I've seen it. It's such a powerful move. It really is to, uh, to just ignore is like, remember that shit when you were in a, in grade school and somebody would tease you and your mom would be like, just ignore them. Well, not my mom. My mom would be like, you're fucking go tell these motherfuckers to fuck themselves. I'm like, I'm in second grade. I can't say any of that, um, on the playground, mom, but normal, normal adults around me would be like, just ignore them. Just ignore them. Like when people call you names, which is so stupid, you know, like just ignore them, just ignore them. Um, because it takes the power away from the exchange, right? There is no exchange. If you're ignoring somebody's retarded, bad, um, infantile behavior, you just ignore it. You know what I mean? The toddler and and your dad is a toddler. He's going to throw a tantrum. That's what they do. Um, So you're going to say no. He's going to throw a tantrum. He might threaten something. He might, you know, do this and that. Who cares? What's he going to do? Come to your house and take the plane away? And if so, I hope you have a lock on your door. (laughs) Fucking man, you got to let him in. And then if it gets even worse, then maybe your kid doesn't need to hang out at the aunt's house. Uh, You know, maybe your kids don't hang out for a while. So what? But, protect those kiddos man man that's that's fucking deep shit bro ignore 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 idiots it doesn't it doesn't help to get in the mud okay what is this one um hello jeans okay this person uh anyway i thought this is just a nice thing uh uh, this person writes jeans. I'm a. I'm in. I just discovered that's deep, bro. So I'm getting my life. I really am. I just want to drop a line to say that I'm listening to Complicated Grief episode right now, and really identifying with the things you're saying about your mom. My bio dad committed suicide July 2016. Whew, after threatening it as long as I can remember, like ruined more than one Christmas with suicide threats. <laughs> Pointed the very weapon he ended up using. At my mother and my eldest daughter multiple times, the works. Hearing you say your relationship with your mom has improved since her death was such a fucking relief to me. My sisters and I have talked about the relief we felt, and we decided that the reason it feels that way is because without him here, we are able to love him in the way we always wanted to, without fear or judgment or him acting like a fucking psycho. It's beyond nice to know I'm not the only one that's relieved that my parent uh, kicked the bucket. There you go. Uh, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending that Hillary. I agree. Uh, I'm glad that you found some relief in that episode. Um, yeah, I, I fucking, it's so complicated when a shitty parent dies. We talked about that in the complicated grieving episode. If anyone wants to know what, uh, we're talking about, I had Kelly McLean, McLean, McLean in here. Um, and we discussed she lost her brother uh, suddenly. He was an addict. Oof. And he got in a car and drove off a bridge, I think, into a lake. So cruel. Cool. But I just also, for people listening, like, um, I just want you to know that you're not alone. If you've got a wacky background, man, join the fucking club, the Wacky Background Club. <laughs> Super fun stuff. Super fun. Super fun. Oh, but on the other tip, I was going to say, um, the character Eleven, Stranger Things, uh, she's an orphan. And I and I would argue to say that those of us who grew up with maybe one or two checked out parents, you are kind of on some level emotionally orphaned. Um, but there is power in the orphan archetype. Stop barking. Betsy! It was just me. I banged my fucking foot against the desk and she barks. Um, There is power in the orphan archetype, guys. Uh, If you look at Harry Potter, one of the great orphans became, what, king of the wizard world. (laughs) I don't know, not king, but he defeated Voldemort. You've got Pippi Longstocking, my all-time favorite, favorite um, orphan, essentially, because her dad was a pirate who just dropped off gold coins and then would bail on her. Um, Pippi Longstocking, above the law, above all-gender norms above above everything. She had her own horse. She had a monkey. She had these Christian nerdy neighbors that she would party with. I mean, dude, she was like the, the total package, Pippi Longstocking. Look that shit up. And not like the American recent. I'm talking like KTLA, Saturday afternoon, shitty Swedish movie, with the girl whose lips didn't move up with the sinking, right? Like the, the sinking was off cause she was talking in Swedish and they dubbed it over in shitty American, uh, sorry, in English. Um, ah, oh, those movies were just so great. If you're, if you're about my age, you know what I'm talking about. Pippi Longstocking was like the original savage dude, the original fucking outlaw, the original, uh, time. Like she was just out of time and, 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 uh, a rebel putting a brick in it for sure. So she was written by a, a Swedish author, Astrid Lindgren, I believe is the name, Lind Lundgren, whatever, Dolph Lundgren. And this the book was written about her nine year old daughter who had red hair and freckles. And nine years old is the magic age of girls. It's right before puberty sets in, and it's right before this dip in self confidence is what happens to girls. Is what they say. And So she's at the magic age, Pippi, and um, like I said, she's got money. So she's above the bourgeois problems of the world. She's she's a self made bitch. She's got her treasure chest. She lives in a mansion called Villa Villa Kula, which is run down and dilapidated, but she does not care about appearances. Um, she wears Mitch mismatched stockings and she has braids that stick out and she's freckled and red haired and smelly and kind of gross. And she's above the law. She does whatever the hell she wants. She goes on journeys. She, um, she goes over waterfalls and barrels. She fights the police. She like, she does all these awesome adventures. She lifts horses. She's stronger than men. She's fucking rad. I don't know why they don't bring that character back. It's that talk about some original uh, girl power. That was Pippi Longstocking in the 70s, dude. OG gangster shit. Not the fucking Spice Girls. It's not the power to be slutty or the power to, I can dress like a whore. Dude, dude, that's not a power. We've been doing that shit forever. You know what I'm saying? Like this whole fucking movement where everybody's like, I can fuck who I want to fuck I, and I can be proud about it, dude. Us old bitches have been doing that forever. We did it in the 90s. Everybody was fucking everybody. You just didn't, you didn't have to have a fucking parade about it. Girls have been doing what they want. The smarter girls have been doing that shit forever. (laughs) All my friends were sluts. All my friends were sluts. You didn't need to, you know, start a fucking movement about it. Everybody, I feel like we just, women have always been. You just didn't talk about it as much. (laughs) Uh, I guess that's the point of the movement, right? To slut-shaming or to take the shame out of being a hoe. We just all were. I mean, not me because I was terrified of getting AIDS, but all my friends, fucking whores, man. Whores. Nobody, nobody. We didn't shame each other. I went to an all-girls Catholic school in high school. Some girl would give her boyfriend a BJ for the first time. We'd all high-five her in the hallway. And maybe that's just like, you know, all, all girl school culture but we were definitely pro-sex uh growing up in the you know high school era my high school we were in the 90s we didn't shame each other there was no we were we were very pro all this stuff so whatever i can be a whore yes you can be a whore you can be a slut no one's gonna shame you don't worry about it okay i always feel like there's bigger issues whatever that's just me (sighs) Okay, this will be the last one. This is from Larry. Oh, Laurie. All right. Uh, hey there, bro. I'm a 31-year-old woman who has chosen to live her life outside the U.S. of A. Life and my job brought me through five years in Asia where I met my husband with whom I have made a life with in Europe, including our wedding in September. Big life changes in recent years have brought me to a place where I am now. I've got a stable jobby, like a good girl. I speak the language. Holy cow. We finally got ourselves our own place, and on paper, things are just peachy. There's always a but, isn't there? Part of those achy feelings include low self-worth and a paralyzing feeling of inadequacy. I'm consistently arguing with this inferiority complex. My problem is the doing. I psych myself up to finally do it, to submit to a magazine, to make a baby step toward my goal becoming a food writer slash recipe tester slash cookbook translator, then I get all blacked up. I tell myself, my day job isn't that intolerable. I couldn't and don't deserve to make a living from that exciting sounding fun stuff. And while I write for a hobby, my ultimate goal is so far out of reach and I am so deeply unqualified to do it that my motivation runs dry. I look at LinkedIn, I think you mean LinkedIn and Twitter profiles of people who are doing what I want to do and just shrivel. My ambitions feel like a dirty secret. Podcasts, meditation, lessons from therapy are all great, but I lack the doing, that good old American go-getting initiative. I live in a country where career change is very difficult, and more often than not, working up the can-do follow-through attitude is just daunting and exhausting. Any suggestions on how to push through? Okay. Well, um, I mean, if you live in a culture where they don't promote that, that's probably not good, number one. So sorry about that. I don't know where in Asia you live. I don't understand that. I don't understand the culture, so I can't speak to that. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I think this is the whole problem with the self-help movement of today is that there's a lot of people telling you you can do shit. Like, you could just envision it. You just have to have the secret. You just have to think about it and it happens. And a lot of people leave out, I don't know, the whole fucking decade to two decades of work that go into becoming a professional anything. I mean, there's a reason it takes so long to become a doctor, right? What is it? 10 years for 15 years to do most of the high esteemed professions because it takes Time. Everything takes time. Everything is a process. Um, apprenticeships exist for that very reason, right? You're learning. I think in the sushi world, I saw some documentary where I mean, before they even let you touch fish, you're cutting egg for like five years, right? You're cutting eggs. Maybe you're making rice. You make rice for like the first how many years? You're training to be a sushi chef, and then one day after you get rice mastered and Egg mastered, then maybe they'll let you smell the fish. So, what I'm saying is, nobody is great from the beginning. Some people are, but those people suck. And we're not talking about those people. And most likely, you and I are not those people or anybody listening to this show. Those people are called uh, prodigies, geniuses, very, very fucking rare, right? But even so, I don't really believe in that. I believe in somebody being born with incredible talent and then having to nurture that talent and work at it. I use the Beatles as an example because I love the Beatles. John Lennon uh, at 15 starts the Beatles with Paul McCartney. And um, they did their 10,000 hours in Germany playing in a dive bar or whatever, becoming good and getting to be the Beatles. And you know, I think that's what separates people from... It's what separates people, right? There's those of us who have a vision, a dream, I want to do that. And I mean, what first happens is you say to yourself, I want to be a food writer. And then what happens? You get excited. Oh my god, that'll be so great. I would love to be a food writer. I mean, I could do this thing and it'd be so great. And I love that movie Julia and Julia and I love food. I love cooking. Oh my god, it'll be the best job. Oh, but I can't. I mean, I there's so many other people doing it and they're doing such a better job of it and who am I? I'm just fucking so-and-so living so-and-so. I'm just this one person. And what are my parents going to say? I mean, people are going to think I'm a fucking loser. And what if I don't make money? What if I'm poor for the rest of my life? And right. You'll talk yourself out of doing every great idea you'll ever have. It's normal. It's called the ego. It's called the brain. It's called you trying to preserve yourself from failure because with, with failure means that, well, you're bad, right? I'm bad. I'm insecure. And then it confirms that insecurity that you're talking about. It's circular. So you're asking me, how do I overcome my own bullshit, my own drama, my own insecurity? And you do your meditation. I love that. You do your therapy and that's great. You listen to your podcast even better. Find your winners, find your angels, find your guideposts, find your mentors. That's number one. I, I, there's so many great people out there that can continually, I mean, I, If I'm being frank with you guys and honest, like when I said to myself, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian 14 years ago, the first thought was, what? First of all, who does that? Like nobody makes a living. I I had so many people telling me, well, how are you going to make money doing that? When I studied philosophy, how are you going to make money doing that? And if you listen to those people, believe me, somebody will talk you out of your dreams. So keep your dreams close to your vest. Number one, my my beloved boo-boos keep your dreams close to your vest. Not everybody needs to know what you're planning. Maybe tell your closest friend, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, somebody that's going to support your dreams and your vision, but not not everybody is entitled to know your dreams. Do not fucking share that with people. Okay? So you're going to have your dream. Dream your dreams. Dream them, dreamers, right? Like Willy Wonka said, we are the makers of dreams. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how it starts. You dream your dreams and then you talk yourself out of them. <laughs> Your, your brain's going to tell you how stupid that is and how wrong you are. and But know that that's the brain fooling you. It's trying to trick you. It's trying to make you stop so you don't fail, so you don't have an ego crush, right? Normal. All normal. Tell yourself, oh yeah, I've expected you. I know who you are, you little visitor. You fucking evil crow. You evil, you evil, shitty monster in my brain. I know you. You are no stranger to me. And you just acknowledge that, oh, that's the voice of doubt. That's the voice of despair. That's the voice of, I can't. And then, my love, you're going to find your guideposts. You're going to find the people that continue to inspire you. What I did to become more successful, I would read books I read a lot of books and most people who are successful read a lot of books. I'm talking about old school fucking things on pages, not Wikipedia, not Googling articles on how to become successful. I am talking about old school, cover to cover, read your books, read your Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, read The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol, read Wayne Dyer, Your Erroneous Zones read fucking anything that you think will help you on your journey. What's going to speak to you to pump you up, to get you full of confidence? Because sometimes when we don't feel it on the inside, we got to fake it till we make it, right? You got to manufacture it. Now, there were albums that I used to listen to on the way to comedy clubs back when I couldn't I didn't have it in me yet to be confident. I would fake it. I would listen to rappers, man. I would listen to fucking Jay-Z, the Black Album. I'm telling you, I don't know why, but it's the Black Album. You listen, that is a brilliant album, front to back. And I would listen to the storyline of that where, you know, he grows up in the Marcy Projects and there's songs about that and he gets to 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. And he, whatever, man, you find your shit that motivates you. You find the thing that speaks to you. And for me, it was Jay Z. For me, it was, you know, those books I mentioned. For me, it's, you know, listening to certain bands or uh, whoever. Um, I recommend just Googling, you know, whatever the issue is, low self esteem. Google that shit right now, books, low self esteem, and go start reading, read about it, read about the things that are going to work for you to conquer this problem. Because what you have is a mental problem. You're not a loser. You're not a fucking, I can tell, man, look, grammatically perfect. You typed a coherent, cogent email. You've, you've lived in another country, my goodness. And you've built a life there, which is amazing. And that's already a huge accomplishment. So you're not a fucking loser, man. You can do this. But the problem is it's always overcoming the mind and that's the biggest thing and doing, and you're right. And that's the stuff no one talks about in the self-help world. Very few people talk about uh, the in-between, the years and years of self-motivation. And that, you know, I hate to say it, but the most successful motherfuckers out there, uh, you know, (laughs) it kills me when people are like, I need a support, I need support. I need to invite my friends to come watch me do stand up. No, you don't. I never. I never liked that they made you do it in the beginning. They bringer shows. You had to bring friends. But I remember being like, if if you fucking need other people to support you, all that hold you up and keep you going, you're gonna fail because they're not always going to be there. It needs to come from you and the the drive, the the impetus to to go on. And what really helps too is to find a higher goal because you don't want to just be wanking in the wind. That's why why all these self-help nuts, they always say, find what makes you happy. Find what resonates with your soul and your spirit. It's not that because like, the reason they say that is because that real motivation is going to get you through the dark days. It's going to get you through the days where you don't feel like doing what you're creatively destined to do. So find your true motivation. You like to you want to be a food writer, recipe tester, cookbook translator. Why? What's the why? And for everybody it's different. Why? Do you want to make somebody's day brighter by I don't know, you know, testing a recipe and you know that people who are foodies are going to enjoy it and you enjoy bringing joy to to people through food is food a source of love and comfort for you like those are wonderful motivators because the superficial stuff of money of fame of of whatever bullshit you know and that's why everyone senses that this cult of celebrity we have going now celebrity for celebrity's sake is so hollow and fallow and shallow because Because they're famous for nothing. Everyone's so upset. Why are are they famous? Why, why, why? Because the center does not hold. (laughs) Because you sense that it's bullshit, right? But when you know that somebody's motivation is real, it's because of the love. Maybe you love food. You just want to share your love of food. That's a motivation. But find something intrinsically valuable as a guidepost. Because otherwise, it's going to be very difficult for you to sustain the marathon that is... And you you are going to run a marathon to become what you want to be in this world. It doesn't happen overnight. And I don't, I just really wish that people would tell more people that it's a marathon. And even when you are successful and you're still running in a marathon, now the, the stakes have changed and the paychecks get better and, and now you're more comfortable and you're calmer and that's great, but you're still in it, man. And it's only for the love of the game that you stay in it. And that's, that's why, I mean, look, this is so cheesy, but this is why you see people like Jay Z fucking killing. Like he still kills it. That guy's so talented, and you know it's not. For, he's not doing it just for the money. There's no way. Some of the most brilliant artists, athletes, whatever, they're not doing it just for the money. The money's a wonderful byproduct, and you should give a shit about the money. I'm not saying you should poo-poo money. I'm saying that artists should be paid for what they do. So that's important, but it's not the only reason. It's not the only reason. So find that. Find your guideposts. Find your 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 soul whisperers, the people who make sense to you in the self-help world. Not everybody will make sense to you. I mean, but there's all kinds of shit out there. There's people that believe, uh, Doreen Virtue believes in angels that fucking talk to you. There's Abraham Hicks, the woman who channels the spirit of Abraham, and she'll talk to you and tell you about this kind of shit there's a Louise Hay, my favorite Louise Hay, who just passed away. Uh, she'll tell you how to motivate yourself and you can buy cards. I mean, shit, there was a time in my life where I was so broke and I was terrified and I, I, all I could do was look at fucking affirmation cards some mornings and then, okay, now I've turned my head around. So you got to get the mind right. Your mind's got to be right is, is number one. The mind must be right, and then your actions will follow. But you're not going to feel motivated every day. You won't. And some days you do take a break, and that's fine. But you got to get your head in that place where you don't listen to the demons. And they're just there. Why are they there? I don't know. It's, it's part of being a human. It's part of keeping you with the tribe. I think it's a way to, to, to protect you, actually, from standing out from the tribe. I bet you on some cellular uh, survival level it keeps us from uh, being ostracized or something. I don't fucking know. But success starts in the mind, dude. And and, and it's just going to take mental toughness, quite frankly. And especially in your line of work, uh, being a writer and all this stuff, you're going to experience so much rejection, my love. Rejection. And let me tell you something about rejection. And... <laughs> And failure and defeat is that I I don't even feel it anymore. And I'm I fucking I'm telling you that I remember Joe Rogan. I asked I asked him like, Hey, how do you take it when people um, you know say how horrible things about you online? He goes, It's like snake bites. The venom. Eventually, you get immune to the venom. And I swear to you, I swear to you, I've had so many rejections in this business. <laughs> That they're not rejection, and the word even rejection sounds so personal, doesn't it? Like they don't like you. It's 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 you personally. It's never you personally, boo boo. There's so many other things that go into things. You don't you don't know why this person got this and you didn't get that. da dab dab da, da. Don't get lost in it. Don't get lost in it. Don't even fucking don't even acknowledge right. Ignore like we discussed with the brilliance of what dudes do. They just ignore. That's not even for you. Who cares? Rejection. But so many people are afraid of that that they won't start, they won't do. So you must overcome your mind, and the fear of rejection is major too. And you're gonna, you're gonna be, trust me. You're gonna hear no ninety-nine times, and all it takes is the one yes. Believe it. You know, how, it's just try. You're gonna hear no so much that it doesn't even register. And when you're there, that's when you've made it. <laughs> By the time you're okay with a no, you're going to be so fucking successful that it won't, you won't even, he, like it doesn't, it doesn't register <laughs> failure, defeat, rejection. It's like, huh? They're just, you'll see that they're just the other side of the coin of success. It's the necessary, it's the necessary fire through which you go to get where you want to be. And what's the other alternative? What are you going to do? And that's really the, the question I'd ask you, if you don't go for it, if you don't go for it, what else are you going to do with your life? Just work your job, get miserable, wish you were somebody else, doing something else, being somewhere else. There's only one choice to suffer. You can either continue to suffer or you can jump into the unknown and risk failure and risk rejection and risk all these things. So it's either risk or suffering. Those are your two choices it's not pretty. It's not pretty, but get comfortable with risk. Get comfortable with as Gary Vaynerchuk. I love Gary V. Look up Gary V. V V-E-E. Gary V. He started wine.com. He's on Instagram. If you can't find Gary V online, uh, you're not online. This guy has fucking cornered the market on being on social media. He is fantastic. He is a Russian immigrant and he started wine.com back in the days of the early internet. He's my age. And he will tell you that the secret to success he calls, you know, the word grinding, grinding, loving, eating shit. I love eating shit, he says. Now, I don't love eating shit, but I've learned to make shit part of the sandwich, right? I I see the shit. I put some fucking bread on that bitch. I put some mayonnaise. I put a little uh, Thousand Island dressing. I like that. Put a fucking cheeseburger patty on it. Bam. Bam another piece of bread, and I eat that shit sandwich is what I'm trying to say. You're always going to be eating some shit if you're a creative person. Why not make it into a fucking In-N-Out burger? Damn. snap. Yeah. That's what's up. So there's a fucking whole thing that goes into doing. And there's nobody... Your mommy can't wake you up in the morning and make you do. You're the only one that can motivate the doing. And it's just that simple. But you're going to get to a point where you're so fucking miserable not doing what you want to do. You ever get to a point where you're so fucking fat, where you got, you got so fat that if you look at yourself in the mirror one more time, you're going to explode with self-loathing and disgust. I have, and that's when you go, oh shit, I got to stop this. (laughs) So that's what happens with not doing. Eventually, I hope, at least for me, when I would procrastinate, I wouldn't, go do stand up because I was a, blah, 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 blah. eventually the self-loathing of not doing the thing would, would overpower and then would force me into action. And now I just do, I do, I do. Do you know that? I do every day. I get up and I fucking do it. And it becomes a habit like everything else, everything else. It becomes a habit. I swear to God, once you start doing, once you start doing, you can't stop. Tick tock. boop. All right i'm gonna go get some in and out that's what's up so sweetness find your markers find your find your people that inspire you find these people that have made it their are living uh to create systems of self-motivation because the, they're out there look at tony robbins he's pretty great tony robbins is awesome I'm trying to think of who else i loved richard branson i'll read richard branson books Read. Go, get with the winners, man. Go read what the fucking winners are doing. Don't, don't identify with the losers. Go identify with the winners. The people that are doing the thing. Go read the books. You want to be a cookbook translator? Go read the fucking Julia Childs. Julia Childs, is that who it is? Yeah, the Julia Childs biography. I'm sure she's written or someone has written about her, right? Um, what did she do? Learn from the people that have done it. That's why books exist. God damn it. Um, it makes me so furious that our culture has narrowed it down to just Googling. Just Google, and then you'll read five sentences about World War II. That's it. Five said That's all you need to know. Hitler, bad. Jews, no, no, no. Don't you fucking know that there are thousands of years of human knowledge written in books? Whole books, guys. Cover to cover. Pages in between. You can download it to your Fucking e-reader, your Kindle, your butthole, whatever. Books have been written to preserve human knowledge. Read them. Knowledge yourself, as the rappers say. Anything you want to learn about exists in a book by people that have lived it and done it and invented it and created it. And I mean, anything you want to know is written down somewhere. And it kills me that people aren't reading. Fucking kills me. I got a whole fucking library in my house of books that I have read since I was a kid because they're invaluable to me. I highlight, I, I write in the margins. I send books to people that mean something to me because they, they've changed my world. Books saved my fucking life. Books are so important. I I I just fucking, I hate the internet for that. The internet's amazing, but you know, for things of, 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 real substance you, you got to just read a whole book, man. You know, you think you can learn how to build an empire from a fucking article from a Wikipedia page? No. You got to read the biographies of the people that have done it before you. That's how you're going to learn. I read Phyllis Diller's uh, autobiography five fucking times, five times, cover to cover while I was becoming a comedian. I was reading that shit on the road. I'd bring the book with me. I lost the book two times. I've repurchased the book several times. I have it on my fucking phone. I read it because that bitch was the pioneer, right? That's the original gangster. And you see how the OG motherfuckers do it. And you see and you learn all that. Oh, shit. That's That's interesting. That's how you do that. Read P.T. Barnum. You know what I'm saying? Read read all these uh, millionaires, uh, people that have invented shit. There's people that are so smart, so much smarter than me. Uh, but they've written it down. They've done the, the courtesy of writing things down for you. So, you know, for you not to utilize that, it's just, it's lunacy. It's fucking lunacy. <sighs> I am exhausted. I need a nap. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go get some in and out. I'm super excited about that. Ah, there's going to be a line. It's fucking 12:30 right now. It's prime in and out. <sighs> I'll just the good thing is I sit in my car and I listen to I'll listen to the radio. Man. Okay, come see me do a live show. Uh there's more jokes than those. I promise. <laughs> this is my passion project. This podcast is my giving back to the world. I've been fortunate enough, I believe, I've been given so many blessings. I've been given so much, and I feel like this is my one gift to the fucking world. This is my gift to this bullshit podcast that if somebody listening, it's just one kid listening, you know, if you're 15, 16, and you're freaked out, and you're suicidal, and you're whatever, and you're worried that you're never going to grow up and be normal, think again. You can do it. You can be maybe not totally normal, but there is a light at the end of your tunnel. Okay. All right, guys. Uh stay bro, stay deep bros. And um yeah, email me. That's deep podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to the people that have submitted the Instagram posters. I'm still kind of going through those emails. Uh, but I appreciate every email sent and I do read them all. So thank you. Okay, guys, have a fantastic week bros now what i don't know philosophize, philosophize with it with. Philosophize with. With.